Should we pray? Well, Heavenly Father, we know that your word is life and truth. And as we explore your words this morning, Lord, Lord, I just pray that you meet us wherever we may be, wherever our minds are this morning, whatever our hearts are focused on, I pray that you meet us wherever we are, that you strengthen us and guide us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of the year, 1918, the incessant boom of the artillery abruptly went silent along the Western Front in France. An American medical officer, Stanhope Byne-Jones, suddenly could hear water dripping off the bush next to him. It seemed mysterious, queer, unbelievable. All of the men knew what the silence meant, but nobody shouted or threw his hat in the air, in the air he later recalled. It took hours for the reality to sink in. World War I, the bloodiest conflict so far in human history, with more than 8.5 million military casualties alone, had finally ended. Every 11th of November, on the 11th day, at the 11th hour, people all around the Commonwealth and other parts of the world are encouraged to stop, to pause, and to remember. And every second Sunday, in November, churches up and down the country hold a celebration service to remember those who died. Many in this room have never been to war. Some of you may have. Others may well know someone who has. Most have lived through the knowledge of a war, either on our own shores or on shores in other parts of the world. But whatever your personal connection is or may be with a war or a conflict, there is one thing or two things that we can all agree on. That war and conflict is a terrible thing. And the bravery of those souls who sacrificed their lives for the freedom of others. For the majority of the 20th and 21st century, the UK, the British Empire and the Commonwealth have all been involved in a war or a conflict somewhere in the world. World War I, World War II, the Korean War in the 50s, Northern Ireland troubles that lasted 30 odd years, the Falklands War in 82, the Gulf War, Bosnian War, Afghanistan, and the Iraq War. And this is just to name a few. It is estimated that since the beginning of the 20th century, 
187 million people have died due to war and conflict. But that number is thought to be much higher. Each one of those, a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, and a loved one to someone. I've always been struck by the bravery of all those men and women in recent years who have fought in these wars and conflicts. Their stories live on, remembered by those who were with them, who witnessed their bravery and may still be here today because of their bravery. I've been particularly humbled by the stories of extreme bravery by some who have gone above and beyond, not necessarily to advance or to win a battle, but to protect and save the lives of those standing to their left and to their right. Our highest medal of honour in the Commonwealth is the Victoria Cross, which is awarded for, and I quote, most conspicuous bravery or some daring or preeminent act of valour or self-sacrifice or extreme devotion to the duty in the presence of the enemy. Since this award was given in 1857, it has only been awarded to 1,000... Sorry, it's only been awarded 1,300 and 58 times when you consider the number who have lost their lives. It's a very small number, isn't it? And it's been awarded to 1,355 individual recipients. Three of those won it twice. The first person to receive the award was Seaman Charles Davis Lucas, Whilst on board HMS Heckler, Charles performed the act which was to earn him the honour as the first winner of the Victoria Cross on the 21st of June, 1854. Whilst attacking the great gun batteries of, the Ru of a Russian fortress in the Island Islands, a live shell landed on the deck of the he of Helka. Disregarding orders to take cover Lucas picked up the shell with its fuse still burning, calmly walked to the edge of the ship and dropped it over the side. The shell exploded as it hit the water. Thus, the standard was set for others to follow. The most recent person to have received the Victoria Cross is Sergeant Joshua Leakey from the Parachute Regiment. In August 2013, Leakey's patrol came under attack while serving in Helmand province, Afghanistan. While surrounded on a hill, Leakey ran through heavy machine gun fire with complete disregard for his own safety to help a wounded officer. Sergeant Leakey took control and started the officer's evacuation, then ran back across the hill through a hail of bullets to get a suppressed machine gun back into action. Once it was running again, Lance, uh, sorry, Sergeant Corporal Leakey overcame his own fatigue 
and faced enemy fire for a third time to fetch another machine gun, bringing, up, bringing that up into action, being able to return fire and subsequently saving those in his patrol. What leads someone to disregard their own safety, to place themselves in danger's way in order to save the life of another person? Yes, soldiers are commanded to go into battle and do these things. Yes, they are trained, highly trained, to do this job. Yes, you are taught that the most important person to you in the middle of a battle is the person to the left of you and the person to the right of you. But I would suggest to you that it's more than that. It's deeper than that. I would suggest to you it is because of the very nature of God that is intertwined into the fabric of mankind. Whether we have chosen to accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour or not, deep inside mankind, part of our very existence is found elements of the character of God. And the primary godly characteristic that I believe is the driving force for such bravery, and it may shock you, is love. It's love. Now you won't hear many military personnel say that they go to war because of love. You may hear them say, I went because I want to protect others. I went because it's my duty to go. I went because I wanted to do my part in the war effort. But underlined deep within is this thinking in, in the very core of that created person is a love that drives them to, to protect people, is a love that drives them to show compassion that drives them to support and care for another. They may, they may not call that an attribute or a characteristic of their creator, but it is. Let me explain. At the beginning of time, a beautiful exchange happened between the Godhead being God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This beautiful exchange happened in mankind's very being, being created in the likeness of God. That's a wonderful thing. What a precious thing that is. And we all know the verse in Genesis. God said, let us make man in our image. And he did. In the image of God, he made them man and woman. He made them. Every single human, whether they call Jesus Lord and Saviour or not, was created in the image of God. And elements of God's character is ingrained in all humanity. This is why you see so many non-Christians doing so much good living actually as if they are Christians. How many times have you, do you know someone in your life 
who you look at them and go, do you know what, if they only said I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, because they're already living the life of a Christian, is why we see so many people doing this. It's because that characteristic of God is in them. It is in them. They just haven't accepted that it's from God. Yes, the fall of mankind tainted the perfection God intended us to be. But it didn't stop us being creatures designed to reflect to the world the image of God. Two weeks ago, we looked at servanthood and explored one of the greatest acts of servanthood that Jesus did, the washing of his disciples' feet. Well, I want to take us back to that night. That night, Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room for the Passover meal. Not long after Jesus had finished washing the disciples' feet, and while talking about himself as being the true vine, he said this in John 15, three verses, 20 to 13. John 15, 20, sorry, John 15, 12 to 13, sorry. He said this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus begins this passage with a command. Now, a, a command is not an option. A command is it's not something you just, well, I'll do it if I feel like doing it. It is an authoritative order. And in this case, the authority is the incarnate God of the universe. And the command is to love each other as he loved them and subsequently loves mankind. Love being the core attribute of God's character. An author at Got Questions said this, love is one of the core attributes of God, a core aspect of God's character, his person. God's love is in no sense in conflict with his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, or even his wrath. All of God's attributes are in complete harmony. Everything he does is in complete harmony, just as everything he does is just and right. God is the example of true love. Now this love that we are referring to is not the romantic love that we always associate ourselves with. It's not that kind of love. 
The word love I'm referring to, and we've often, we've often spoken about this, is that wonderful Greek word, agape. That is the love that I'm referring to here. Not a romantic, soppy, the sort of love that I try and show to Kelly, fail miserably. But it's agape. Agape love. A love that is pure, that is willful. A sacrificial love that intentionally desires another person's highest good. Agape love isn't born just out of emotions or feelings, but from the will and as a choice. Agape requires faithfulness. It requires commitment and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. God loves from an outpouring of who he is. In 1 John 4, 8, we read, God is love. God is love. That means that he is the source of agape. His love is undeserved, gracious, and sacrificial. It is the love Jesus is referring to here in this passage. And I would suggest to you that agape is what drove the selfless, sacrificial acts of courage and bravery that led our troops to climb those ladders and run into no man's land in World War I. I would suggest to you that it was agape that led our troops to land at Dunkirk or jump out of the plane in France in World War II, to march 56 miles over the Falkland Islands with excess of 80 pounds on their backs during the Falklands War, and to patrol in scorching heat against an invisible force through IED-littered terrain in Afghanistan. Agape is in the very fibre of every human being, and it is the driving force that leads to our desire to want to do good to others, to look after each other, to be kind, generous, patient with one another and place ourselves in harm's way to protect another when the need requires that. A characteristic that derives from the very source of life, God Almighty himself. Jesus then goes on to say, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus ultimately calls his disciples and subsequently ourselves to lay our lives down if required to do so for our friends. Because that is the greatest act of agape love 
that can be shown. Though it is important to understand that this doesn't always mean the ultimate sacrifice of laying our lives down. Very few of us here will ever be called to sacrifice to that extent. Very few of us. But that's not the case for our brothers and sisters around the world. We must always remember that. The command can be a bit more multidimensional, we could say. Laying our lives down for our friends can also be expressed by providing material possessions to our brothers and sisters that go against maybe what we want to do or the things we might want to give up. If it's a sacrifice, then it's a sacrifice. It's something we don't want to do. Loving others, not only with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. Again, when you get those phone calls late at night from a friend who needs your help, it's sacrifice. It may only be small sacrifice, but it's still sacrifice. It's laying down your wants, your desires for the need of another. An example of this could also be the people who stayed behind in the UK during the World Wars. Many of them, women, rolled up their sleeves to make, to make munitions in the factories, had to learn to farm to keep the country fed, had to live and raise children through rationing, I'll be very honest with you, if it wasn't for them, who knows what the war could have turned out like. Let's never forget that. Yes, there were those fighting on the war and on the front, but there are also those here sacrificing so much to keep this country running, to keep families running, to keep the country fed, to keep the soldiers on the front lines fed. It's all sacrifice. Jesus wasn't just calling upon his disciples to be willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice of love by laying their lives down for each other. He was preempting the example that he was going to set by willingly sacrificing himself for the, to go to the cross for us. Jesus, who surrendered himself as the lamb to the slaughter, who was beaten for your sake and for my sake, who paid your ransom and my ransom, who paid for our sins, past, present and future, and who paved a way for us to return and have a relationship with our Father in heaven. And it is for this reason that I would like us to pause now and remember this sacrifice as Jesus commanded us to do.
on the same night that Jesus had washed his disciples' feet. The same night that he commanded his disciples to love as he loved them. And the same night that he said there was no greater love than to lay your life down for one's friends. He took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Every person here, as it was for the disciples, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Church, you may like to prepare your uh, capsules. If you haven't got one, please just put your hand up and we'll, we can bring one round to you. Has everybody got one? Wonderful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we prepare to take part in communion, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. As we pause, reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion, any unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. Lord, each time we take communion, we recommit our lives, our hearts, our thoughts, and our everything to you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you, Jesus for your extravagant love and unmerited favour. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. As you instructed your disciples, we too receive and eat this bread in remembrance of you. And Lord, in the same way as you prepare, as we prepare to take this cup, representing your blood poured out from a splintered cross, we realize that you were the supreme sacrifice for all our sin, past, present, and future. Because of your blood shed for us and your body broken for us, we can be free from the power and penalty of sin. Jesus, thank you for the victory over death. You took the death that we deserved. You took our punishment. 
Your pain was indeed our gain. And today we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood that you spilt. Amen. Church, please take communion at your leisure. Jesus, thank you for inviting us to your table. Through your death and resurrection, you reconciled the world to God. And through your example, you have shown us a way to peace. Help us to remember the gift we have received and to live as brothers and sisters and members of one family. Give us strength as your people to be channels of peace in the world, speaking your peace, living your peace, and always longing for that moment of eternal peace when we will see you again when you return to claim your bride. Amen. Amen. <coughs> we have remembered the sacrifice Jesus made for us so that we could live free, a life, an eternal life of freedom. What a wonderful thing that is for those who choose to accept it. Now let us remember all who have died in the wars and conflict so that we could live in a free world or a free nation those acts of bravery, acts of self-sacrifice, those who show, showed the ultimate act of agape love so that many could come home and we could live in freedom. If the band would like to come up. I would like to close our service today by reading a poem, some of you may well be familiar with this poem. It's called For the Fallen by Lawrence Binion.
As I do so, you may like to just bow your heads. Maybe just close your eyes and just spare a thought for those who have sacrificed so much for us to be here in this room today. With proud thanksgiving, a mother for her children, England mourns for her dead across the sea. Flesh of her flesh they were, spirit of her spirit, fallen in the cause of the free. Solemn the drums thrill, death august and royal, Sing sorrows up into immortal spheres. There is music in the midst of desolation and a glory that shines upon our tears. They went with songs to the battle. They were young, straight of limb, true of eye, steady and aglow. They were staunch to the end against odds uncounted. They fell with their faces to the foe. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun in the morning, we will remember them. They mingle not with their laughing comrades again, they sit no more at familiar tables of home. They have no lot in our labour of the daytime. They sleep beyond England's foam. For where our desires are and our hopes profound, felt as a wellspring that is hidden from sight, to the innermost heart of their own land they are known, as the stars are known to the night as the stars that shall be bright when we are dust, moving in marches upon the heavenly plain, as the stars that are starry in the time of her darkness, to the end, to the end, they remain. Amen. <laughs>